Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. This is a weekly discussion about the Camino de Santiago, a series of ancient pilgrimages across Europe, culminating in pilgrims arriving at the cathedral where the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James are interred at Santiago de Compostela. I'm Dan Mullins. I've walked the Camino twice. Firstly, from Sahun to Santiago in 2016, and from Lourdes in France to Santiago in 2017. And I can't wait to go back again. Because I often use quotes to illustrate the intention of the pilgrim, listeners have started sending me quotes. Mark emailed me during the week. He'd found this one. Fill your life with experiences, not things. Have stories to tell, not stuff to show. I love it. Well, my guest this week is Jose Piner. I touched base with Jose via my friendship with Mick McQueen. Mick himself has an amazing story to tell, and you can hear Mick in weeks 11 and 24, his podcasts before and after Camino experiences. But Jose Piner is on the line to talk about his Camino or Caminos. Welcome, Pilgrim. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Thanks for having me on your show. So how many times have you walked the Camino? Uh, I've walked uh, three Caminos and I'm ready to do another one in April, um, which is going to be a long one. Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a minute because I've I, I heard about that. So tell us a little bit about yourself. As I understand it, you were originally, well, you, you are Spanish, but you live in Australia. Yes, that's correct. Uh, my parents migrated to Australia back in uh, 1962 uh, when I was 13 years old. Um, I've just turned 69, so I consider myself an Australian. <laughs> so do we. Uh, yeah, we, I got married at 22 to my high school sweetheart, Maria. And, uh, yeah, um, I have travelled and worked all over the place in the Sahara Desert, based in Singapore for uh, 14 years, doing um, all kinds of work through, throughout Southeast Asia, worked in Europe and, and travelled through France, Portugal, Spain and US, Canada, South America. So I've been around a little bit, but nothing, is in, nothing has impacted me more than uh, walking the Camino with Santiago. So let's take a step back. What, where, where are you from in Spain? Where, where did you grow up? Okay, I was uh, born in a little town called La Línea de la Concepción, which is right next to Gibraltar, right down the south of Spain. So what did a 13-year-old boy make of Australia? Um, It was pretty hard when we first got here. um, And uh, the reason we moved is because uh, Franco was in power at the time and they closed the frontier with Gibraltar. And my dad used to work there, so he had no work. And the immigration, Australian immigration, came through, and um, he applied for it. And here we are, the best thing, the best move my dad has ever made. And what did he do once he arrived in Australia? What What did my dad do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came to Australia. We put, we got put in a, a holding camp in uh, in Western Australia, and my dad worked as a plumber. Oh, wonderful. What a wonderful story. Yeah, yeah that's beautiful. Yeah. So so let's get back to the Camino then. Do you remember what was your motivation for walking your first Camino? I don't know. It was just little signs that kept appearing as I was travelling around around Europe and, and Australia. I 
I remember my first one. I, I did hear when I was uh, uh, at school in Spain, I did hear something about the Camino de Santiago, but through the religious um, um, lectures and things like that. But um, when I was going through Europe, I remember this little town in, in Germany somewhere, and I saw this pedestal that said um, Camino de Santiago with a little arrow on it. Two thousand seven hundred kilometers, yeah. and I went, "Wow, this is that's pretty good." And then a little bit later, I uh, was on a holiday, and I we managed, we were going to Portugal, and we stopped in Santiago de Compostela, and we I saw all these people with backpacks and hugging each other, and and I'm going, "Wow, what the hell's going on here?" Anyway, after I returned to Australia, my wife um, said one day, she says, oh, there is a doctor going to do a presentation about the Camino at her work, which is at the King Edward Memorial Hospital in Perth. Uh, You want to go? And I said, oh, yeah, let's have a look at it. And uh, we went to it, and then I thought, oh, why? why not? Let's go and do it. And that's how my first Camino started. So did you walk with Maria, your wife? Yeah, my first Camino, I walked with my wife Maria from St. John Pierre the Port to Santiago in May, June 2014. Um, then I came back to Australia and I was um, kept looking at photos and uh, joined a couple of forums and I kept reading about it. And then I thought, uh, I've... The thing that went through my mind, if I was going to do another Camino, what would I do different now that I know what the first one is like? So then on 2016, uh, 20, yeah, 2016 I decided to go and do the Camino Frances again. But this time I went with my son, Jay. And uh, that was uh, an experience, experience in itself. Um, the Camino was the same, but it was completely different in the way that I knew it was coming up. But um, we we hooked up with um, another five people in St. Jean-Pierre-le-Port, uh, uh, a Californian, David, um, three, uh, sorry, two Brazilian girls, one Irish girl, uh, Juliana, um, uh, Dinella and Emma from, from Ireland, my son and myself, and we stayed in St. John Pierre the Port together from the same albergue, and we walked together all the way to Santiago, and we made such a great friendship. It was that was my um, Camino family. How lovely! And you walked all the way together. All the way together. They used to call us the Camino Six. Wow, that's fantastic! And what what yeah. what about the relationship with you and your son? How did that? How did that? How was it nurtured, if you like, by the Camino? Um, it was it was very good because my son was just finished his uh, exams and he's been studying pretty hard, and he needed a little bit of a break. So, um, oh, I mean, we had our good days and our bad days, like everybody else, and you know, like what life is all about. But he is really, really happy that that yeah, we went together and we did it. And uh, it worked quite quite well. I always ask my uh, my guests if they're spiritual people. Would you consider yourself a spiritual person, Jose? Uh, yeah, I am a spiritual person. Um, 
I had a little bit of uh, uh, religious upbringing uh, when I was in Spain. I went to the Myers Brothers, and then I went to the Salesian priest, and they're not very good memories. Um, so I sort of drifted away from religion. However, there is something still inside of me that, you know, I still believe in God, and um, I I like to go and visit churches and the, through the architecture, um, yeah. But I mainly do it for spiritual reasons, not religious reasons as such. And so let's go back to your first Camino, you and Maria, in 2014. Do you remember when, at what stage you realised, wow, this I can feel the energy, something special is happening here? Um. It, it, it actually happened after I finished the Camino. Right. Because uh, the sense of accomplishment, uh, the sense of being able to do with Maria, uh, we've been married 47 years and, and we had a lovely, lovely Camino. Uh, and, and only when I got back that I realised, wow, I wish I would have known this Camino or would have done a Camino like 10 years prior because um, I want to get as many Caminos as I can while I can, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're going back in April. We'll get to that. Yeah. Your last pilgrimage, though, was 2017, and you walked the Camino Norte. How long did you take to walk it? Uh, Los Caminos del Norte uh, uh, took me 39 days. Right. Where did you start? I started in uh, in Irun, which is in the frontier of um, France and Spain. It's a bridge that separates Spain from um, from France, and you start there. And then I just uh, went through the coast, and I took all the alternatives and variations that I could so I could be close to the coast. Uh, and it was just a magnificent, it, it, I would say it was probably the most beautiful Camino that I've seen and probably will see, but it's hard work. You pay for it for the views and everything else. You 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 do pay for it. In what way? How do you pay for it? Uh, physically. It's uh-huh. ups and downs and ups and downs and stairs and downstairs and, and through bush and, but it's worth every minute of it. You just have to listen to your body and just walk on and like life, you know, you never know what's around the corner and you just face it as it is and, and just carry on. Yeah, one of the things I love about the Camino Frances, which is the only one I've done twice, but is the surprise. So you walk around the corner yeah. and go, whoa, wow. <laughs> you, it, it, you know, it happens so often. I can imagine yeah. that would be like that on the Norte. Yeah, yeah, no, in, in the Camino del Norte is, uh, uh, yeah, every corner, every up, you know, every time you go down, you're going to have to go back up. But the scenery and the flora and everything, and the, oh, it's just beautiful. And I was very lucky because while I was um, about a week and a half, two weeks after I uh, started Camino del Norte, I teamed up with a couple um a Spanish couple, so I do speak Spanish Robert, with Roberto and Angela, and they were on the honeymoon, and um, 
they were running one day late. So they said, Jose, we're going to have to leave you because we're going to have to get the bus and try to gain one day. And I said, oh, that's fine. But what they would do it every day, whenever they saw something worth seeing, he would say, okay, stay at this alberge, go to this place, don't forget to take this alternative route and go and see these, the, like, playas, the Las Catedrales or the Cathedral Beach. And they kept me, they were one day ahead of me, but they kept me informed of what I was coming up to. So that was great, great benefit to me. Yeah, almost like your 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 own guide. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. brilliant. I went to places that most pilgrims miss out because there 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 are things like three hundred meters away from the Camino, which are really beautiful, like the um, uh, natural pool, um, and and you walk like about 300 metres away from it, but if you don't know that's there, you miss out on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah. It, that, that, I can't imagine how beautiful it is, although some of the photographs I've seen are, are really quite spectacular, but one of the things I often notice, it doesn't look like there's anybody around. Was it very busy? Um, not as busy as Camino Frances, and that in itself is a little bit of a blessing because for accommodation and food and things like that is a lot a lot easier to get but there are a lot of pilgrims there you get a lot of um german pilgrims and uh, a few american pilgrims um and even you know from different parts but instead of having you know walk, sometimes some days i walked on my own uh the whole day yeah. But then I would I would meet up with other pilgrims in the in the alberghi. Yeah, and speaking yeah, go on. Yeah, because the accommodation, you know, you have to do that particular stage, so you would meet up with them again. Yeah, and they make make very very good friends. And, and um, the, I was just going to ask about the albergues though. Did did you always get a bed? Because as I understand it, there are not nearly as many as there are on the Frances. Always, always got a bed. And uh, as I said, this, this Spanish um, couple in front of me, uh, one of the times says, look, you're going to get to to, um, to this place, walk another six kilometres, and there's a beautiful alberge there. And I, I got there. It was first class. It was like a little hotel with beautiful gardens and, and, and this alberge, um, the... Hospitalero, uh, Hospitalera, they actually built it from scratch. There was an old shed there and they built it and it was big rocks and, and it was just fantastic. The food was good. I mean, I would say I enjoyed, probably I enjoyed the Camino del Norte more than the Camino Frances for, for those reasons. You didn't have to rush. Uh, it, uh, the scenery was magnificent. The, the accommodation yeah, well, you have to walk a little bit further, but it was worth every minute of it. So what's the name of that albergue? What town was it in? Um, I would have to look at my um, notes. Um, I would have to look at my notes. I just can't remember the name well, of it. Well, we'll find <laughs> out, and I'll put it in the notes, the written notes that accompany the podcast, because I know that people yep. would, would want to know, so we won't worry about it now. One, yeah. of, my, one of my highlights is meeting... Lots of people from different countries along the way, and, and you've certainly 
said that that was the case with you on the Norte. But one of the other things is that there are so many people on the Camino de Francis that at times you sort of feel, feel like it's a race. You know, it, it, <laughs> you know I, I called it at one stage the, the pilgrim gift. But is it like that on the Norte? Or, or because there are fewer people, are you able to sort of do it at a bit more of your own pace? Yes, you, yeah, yeah. Because there are few, few less people. You don't have to physically rush to get into the accommodation for the next place. Uh, there are um, someone would would come alongside of me. We'll get a conversation, like you, you know, you say you meet people from all walks of life. You walk with them for five minutes, and then I would say to them, "You carry on. You walk. Your your pace is too fast for me." I'll see you at the Alberta and they'll say to me, okay, I'll make a booking for you just in case. Uh, and I'll say, yeah, okay. And then they'll move off and then I'll see them at the um, Alberta and my reservation was already made. Yeah, how lovely. Yeah, that's right. So, so, so yeah. do, do you train regularly, Jose? Do you keep in shape? Um, training to me is uh, you've got to train to break your shoes in and get used to your backpack and a few other things. But the real training happens in the Camino. I found out that it doesn't matter how much training I did, it took me about 10 days before I got my rhythm and before my body said, yep, okay, let's go. And then I could just go. I had this, everybody's got their own mentor. I have a... I had a mentor before I did my first Camino. His name was Highlander. And he was a retired colonel uh, of the French Foreign Legion. He was Welsh, but he he retired colonel of the French Foreign Legion. And uh, he would say to me all the important things that you had to do. Like one of the things that I always remember is start like an old man and finish like a young buck. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, and 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 that is very very true. I probably train. I probably do now. And I've been doing probably about ten kilometers every second day. Um, and then as I get closer, I'll increase it to about fifteen kilometers. And then in the last two weeks, I'll just slow it back down to about four k's because um, I've hurt too many people training so hard that they get an injury like a week before you leave for Spain and then the whole Camino is bug- buggered, basically. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, I keep myself reasonably fit, but my real, my real training is the first 10 days of El Camino because nothing prepares you. It doesn't matter how, that's my belief, it doesn't matter how much training you do before you do it. The first 10 days are the ones that count. And that's when the Highlander used to say, you know, start slow, start slow. Um, and, you know, he told me all about drinking water. Don't drink water when you're thirsty because that's too late. Um, how much water to carry. Um, all kinds of different things. And, I mean, this guy knew what he was talking about. He's done like about 14 Caminos. Wow. And he, he walked from San John, well, the last one that he did, we walked from San John Pierre the Port to Finisterre and then all the way back to Rome. Oh. 
And yeah, and this guy carries like about a, a 45 kilo um, backpack. He carries his tent and everything in it. But I mean, he's, uh, you know, French foreign legend. That's wow. pretty hard. Yeah. I might try and find this Highlander. Yeah. I'd love to have a yarn to him. Yeah, no, this guy is just uh, unreal. So. so he was your mentor. I want to talk about our friend Mick McQueen because he calls you his mentor. And Mick, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mick walked carrying 41 silk poppies honouring the 41 Australians killed in the Afghanistan war. But you, well, yes. you walked the Norte, he walked the Frances. Yeah, I, I walked the Northern, the Los Caminos del Norte, and then I joined up with uh, Mick uh, in uh, Santiago de Compostela, which, although, uh, yeah, I, I was there like a day before he was, and then I arranged the... Um, blessing of the role of honor the cathedral with the archbishop there of um, the, the cathedral and then on to Finisterre and to lay the poppies um, in Finisterre very very emotional time for me yeah um, uh, it, it really really touched me and uh, I mean I'm talking to you now I'm just about it and the hairs are standing up on my arms so yeah uh, yeah, very, very interesting, and 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 I'm glad that that uh, Mick uh, included me in the group to do so. Yeah. So, so tell us about going to the cathedral in Santiago de Compostela, because as I understand it, it was a very special uh, event, a very special happening. Yeah, uh, I uh, because I speak Spanish, obviously. Um, I spoke to one of the. Um, mm, nuns of the cathedral the day before and she said to me now you're going to have to come back tomorrow just before the church and uh, before the mass and then you you'll have to talk to one of the priests and i was a bit apprehensive about the whole thing because i didn't want to let nick down uh, because you know you can arrange and you can plan things and then the last minute can go down the tube Anyway, we walked in uh, into the little private uh, office that they have there, and we spoke to the um, to the archbishop, and they said, "Yeah, okay." And then next minute, they they escort us right to the front of the altar, and they had chairs there for us. And I'm going, "Wow!" And then the whole thing just just <laughs> really, really emotional for me. I was so glad that I was part of the. Uh, uh, 41 poppies of the soldiers in uh, Afghanistan. I started crying, basically. Um, I've got something, something really, really hit hit home in, in that situation. And uh, when I saw that big uh, border pharaoh go up and down, up and down, I just lost it a little bit. But it was very, very emotional, very interesting. Um, I, I just cannot explain my feelings about it. Yeah, well, I can hear it in your voice how moved you were and still are. And, uh, yeah, uh, I am. Yeah, I am. yeah. Am. And, and so for, just to explain to my listeners, if you haven't listened to Mick McQueen's podcast, Mick carried the 41 silk poppies honouring the 41 Australians killed in the Afghanistan war and it's called the Roll of Honour and various people have carried it 
so I think somebody took it to the top of Everest, and and it's yeah. been it's been all around the world. And Mick decided to, he would yep. take it across the Camino de Santiago and arrived at the cathedral, and and through Jose's intervention was able to have it blessed on the altar uh, at the yeah. mass at the pilgrims' mass. And I've yeah. I've spoken to about half a dozen different people who were there who say it was one of the most extraordinary things they've ever seen. So yeah, yep. you were indeed lucky to be there, and 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 I'm very happy for you to have been there, Jose. It sounds just absolutely yep. wonderful. Let's leave it there because it's it's a special moment for you. But I remember speaking yep. to Mick when he came back, and he said he'd been disappointed when he arrived in Syria because people weren't carrying their bags and they'd only walked a few days. Indeed, one yep. of the way markers said Jesus didn't start in Syria. But Mick told me you had some great advice for him. Yeah, uh, I just um, I just kept telling him if you got any any questions or anything, uh, just let me know. And he says, oh, I don't know. Why, why is this? I'm, I'm getting really confused about it. And I said, Mick, don't worry about it. The Camino is calling you, my friend, and you're just going to have to go and do it. And after that, I just kept giving him advice, and which is what I do now. I spend a lot of time in forums and Facebook. Um, trying to help pilgrims that are doing it for the first time, trying to give them the best advice that I can. Um, but, yeah, with Mick, it was a pleasure just doing it. And then I knew the reason why he was doing it, which made me even more uh, it go towards him to help him as much as I could. So, yeah, it was an interesting time, and I'm, I, I know that he appreciated it and, I hope all the other people that I'm trying to help, um, they do the same. And I think it was when Mick was saying that he, he didn't like these uh, these ring-ins, I think he called them after Saria, you said to him, don't worry about it, everybody walks their own Camino. That's right, everybody does. It's, it's, like, it's like life, everybody lives their own life and, and don't, get, don't get all stressed out about what, what other, other people do. You do your own thing, you walk at your own pace and you... Don't worry if somebody wants to jump on a donkey. Well, that's the way they want to do it. If they want to do it on a push bike, that's fine too. Um, if somebody wants to skip a stage, that's fine. I mean, you're doing El Camino for your for yourself. You're not doing it for anybody else. And the Camino teaches you a lot of things in life. One of the things that I I, I remember, and that really really hit, hit home, I saw a sign that said. Life is short, but wide. And I thought about it, and I said, wow, that really, really is interesting because you can either sprint in a straight line from start to finish, or you can zigzag through life and enjoy it and take your time, and whatever comes your way, you just deal with it and move on, but you've got to enjoy life. And that's that's life is short but wide. Very very interesting sign. I love that. I'm going to steal that. Yeah. I'm going to steal that. Life is short <laughs> but wide. So, so yeah. I want to get to the impact it's had on your life. But what advice, if you are giving people advice about the Camino, what's the first thing you yeah. say to them? What's the first piece of advice you give them generally? The same thing is my my. Mentor said to me, start like an old man and finish like a young buck. Yeah. That's the first one. Get yourself and get your right equipment. Get your, break your boots in. Get your right backpack. Drink plenty of water. 
don't wait till you get thirsty. When I was doing a Camino del Norte, just remind me, I was doing, I started with uh, three Spanish, uh, yeah, three Spanish guy, and one of them, his name was Juan. He would walk, and I'm watching him, and I, and I noticed that he wasn't drinking much water, and he was only carrying like about 750 mil bottle of water. And I kept saying to him, Juan, drink water. Oh, I don't feel like it. I said, Juan, and I kept, kept on him and kept on him. Finally, when we were in our fifth day, he ended up in hospital. And what happened was he was completely dehydrated. Yeah. And then... He apologized to me and he says, oh, the next Camino that I'll do, I'll make sure I drink plenty of water. And I said, well, thank you very much. I was, I was on to him like every hour because I, I just keep sipping. I, I don't drink big gulps of it. And I practice the army march, you know, that one-hour walk, five minutes rest. Right. Yeah, that's another thing that I tell the, the other pilgrims, you know, just take it easy, find your rhythm. Get yourself sorted. Look after yourself for the first 10 days. Then you'll know what's happening. No good sprinting to an alberca. You're going to get there and then you're going to wait outside the door till they're open for an hour. So might as well you just take it easy. These are the most important things that I that I can give uh, any new pilgrim. You've got to start slowly, drink plenty of water and take your breaks. So the army Don't march, wait. yes, I hadn't heard that before. You walk for an hour and then you take five minutes off. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. army march, okay. So, yeah. so that's the advice. You're yeah. now you're you're now walking the Camino in April. Is it a thirteen hundred k's? Yeah, yeah. Where from? Um, I'm starting from the house that I was born in 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 my hometown. Oh, wonderful. And- yeah, I'm going to start from the house where I was born and I'm going to walk through a new Camino that opened up like about two or, two or three years ago. And it goes through the mountains, southern part of the mountains in the southern part of Spain. Then I, it's called Camino Ferran, Via Serrana. Then I join up with Camino Augusta and then I get to Seville and then I walk uh, the Camino Via de la Plata which is another thousand k's. It's, it's, it's often said that the, the energy of the Camino and, and the spiritual and mystical nature of the Camino, in particular the Camino Frances, is because so many pilgrims have walked before. You're walking in the footsteps of millions of people. Go on, you were going to say something? Uh, yeah, and, and from Seville to, to Santiago de uh, the Compostela is that you walk, do most of the walking by the Roman roads, right? Yeah, and uh, it was those um, roads were built like during the Roman and the uh, Moorish time. So uh, there'll be a lot of uh, interesting places, yeah. and, uh, and a lot of it'll make me think about. You know, this this track is being walked by millions of people in the old age. Yeah. Well, the, the question I was going to ask is, you've now walked the Norte uh, and you're going to walk these other pilgrimages later this year in yeah. April. Are you expecting or did you find the same energy on the Norte as you as you did on the Frances? 
always. Uh, I found more energy on Del Norte than what I did in the in the French one, definitely. Really? And what and what I what I also found is that the more caminos you want to, the more caminos you do, the more caminos you want to do, and longer distances. Because um, after I finished my second camino, I got to Santiago de Compostela. And then we walked on to Finisterre, and when I got to Finisterre, I said to myself, oh, is this it? <laughs> you know? Oh, what am I going to do now? I mean, <laughs> I couldn't walk any further because that would have been in the water. <laughs> but, uh, and that's why I did the Camino del Norte, because it was a little bit longer and a little bit more difficult. But again, once I got to Santiago, I said, oh, I wish I could walk for another week or two, you know? just felt that sort of bit disappointed in a way that I could not walk any further. Um, so this time I said, well, let's do a big one. And Camino Via de la Plata, most of the pilgrims, from what I've read, are veteran Camino walkers. And most of them are between the age of 55 and 72. Uh, there's not that many young people walk the Camino de la Plata because um, the facilities are not as many. There's long distances that you want to walk, you know, 38, 40 kilometers, etc. Um, so, yeah, that's what I want to do. And in the back of my mind, I haven't told my wife this, <laughs> in the back of my mind, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I want to be great to walk like from London to Rome. That would be a nice walk. That would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear it in your voice. I'm, I can I'm, hear addic- it. I'm addicted to it. I'll tell you. Uh, this, this first com- uh, <clears throat> the, the first Camino I'm going to do uh, in April, the Camino Via Serrana, that just opened up a couple of years ago. And the uh, accommodation is pretty much zero or you have to stay in hotels. So this time I've decided I'm going to take a tent with me, uh, which brings me into a problem with weight. Yeah. But then I decided I'm going to use one of those hiking trolleys. Mind mind you, what I've done is I bought a jogging um, child's trolley uh, pram and uh, I've modified it. And uh, I'm going to put my backpack and my tent in the trolley, and then I'm going to pull it up at least till I get to Seville, because as I said, there is no much accommodation, and there is a section there which is only 12 kilometres long, but it takes like about eight hours to do. So why? Why does it take? Uh, it's just it's just right through the mountains. That area used to be called the Bandits, and um, uh, yeah, the Bandits track because that's where all the bandidos used to uh, walk through to in Spain in the old days. So it's all up mountains and up and down and <clears throat> through some pretty um, pretty hard yakka. So, so in doing your um, in doing your research for Camino Via Sarana, yeah. Is, it, it, are you expecting it to be well signposted? Uh, no, there, there, there are some signs, but 
um, very few. So I am taking my GPS and my phone plus uh, Wikilocks uh, Camino and also when I get to my hometown because I've still got my cousin there, um, the uh, one of the people in the council knows about it. So right. I'm going to spend a day with him and he's going to tell me what I have to do and things like that. So, yeah, I've got it pretty well under control. It sounds just a wonderful experience, a wonderful journey. How do you yeah. sum up the experience of the Camino and trying to explain it to someone else? It's extremely difficult to sum it up because there are so many things happen. I love getting away from the everyday things, cutting it down to the simplicity of life. You walk, you eat, you sleep, you admire the scenery, you don't get interference with politics and televisions and radios and everything else. It's just you and nature and your mind. Okay, you you got to go through the process of pain for the first three weeks. Then you go into the spiritual stage of mental, where you just there yourself in nature, and you got so much time to think. You got the birds singing in the background. You got the beautiful flowers. Completely relaxed. And then at the end of it is the accomplishment of doing something that for yourself is worthwhile doing. Um, it's just to me, that's the only way I can explain it, but uh, my internal feelings and everything else is, is just, it's just wonderful. What do you find most challenging on your Caminos? Uh, challenging? I, I really don't find anything challenging. I find everything really enjoyable. Okay, yeah, you you know, most challenging thing for me would be just make sure that I don't get hurt or sleep or get too many blisters, which brings me to another point. Every Camino that I walk, I get one little blister on the same toe at, at about 400 and 450 kilometers. And that's, that's the only blister I get. And I don't know why, but that's how it happened. But... Yeah, just love it. So, so you must do you must do your research in terms of shoes. What shoes do you wear? Um, the first two caminos, I used um, Scarpa, which is Italian made shoes. Uh, for the second one, I used Merrell boots because I knew the camino would not it was going to be a little bit more wet, but. Again, having uh, listened to my mentor, Highlander, uh, said to me, get your shoes that you like, that fit you well, and then buy the ones one and a half size bigger. And I said, okay. And the, each, um, each pair of either boots or shoes, they last me for two Caminos. After that, they're all completely worn out. Um, and I've never had any problems with blisters or anything apart from one little blister on one toe. Really? One and a half yep. sizes bigger than what you would normally wear? Yeah, he said to me, if, if, if you normally go to the, to, the, to the shop and you 
get a pair of boots that really fit your nice, you fit, feels nice in it, and you say, yeah, these are the ones. You say, okay, now give me a one to one and a half size bigger and put them on. He says, your fit will tend to um, feel like it's just too big for you. He says, but remember, your feet after a few days will start swallowing and then they need room to expand. And this guy was spot on. I mean, that, that's the way it works. That's really that's- interesting because that's perhaps what happened to me because I had walked in my shoes and never had any trouble in Sydney. And then about five days in, I started to get trouble. That may be what <laughs> happened. Yeah, yeah. How interesting. And, yep, and I've seen people with uh, so many problems with feet, with all the toenails being black. Oh, yeah. And falling off and, oh. Uh, in my, it just reminded me, talking about feet, in my Camino in Francais in 2016 with my son, <clears throat> I used to spend after walking most of the time fixing everybody's feet, blisters and padding them and everything else for them. So every time they used to call me Dr. Jose, we <laughs> meet you over here. <laughs> but it was, yeah. So that's that's the only, uh, I, I I can't give you any more advice on shoes apart from that. Make sure, you know, you, you do your, your shoelaces up properly and that your feet don't wobble around in it. Um, and have enough room for them so when you fit swell up, uh, they've got room to expand. Yeah, that's great. I hadn't heard that before. Look, we're running out mm. of time. You've been so generous with your time, Jose. Mm. How have you applied what you learned on the Camino to your life now? Uh, I'm a lot more relaxed. I've learned how to accept things. Um, little things don't worry me anymore. Um, I it, it's made a change in my life definitely. Uh, I'm more tolerant, uh, more patient. I set the situation as, as it is. You know, life is a camino. Uh, you never know what's coming around the corner. You have your good days and your bad days, and you just have to accept it and keep on moving. Don't don't get caught up in the in the small little things that it doesn't have any influence in your life whatsoever. Just to me, is has been a. It, oh, I even drive differently for for whatever reason. I even drive differently now. I um I will give the guy that wants to come out of a side street. I'll give him way. Uh, I'm more relaxed. Uh, I'm more tolerant. Um, where before I used to well really get upset and just about going to road rage where now I'm just just accept what it is and help people along the way whether he's walking the Camino or down the street it just just makes so much difference to me it's just unreal I'm often asked if you get lost on the Camino and I often my answer is we all get lost but the Camino provides an opportunity to be found yeah, yep, yep. The Camino provides everything you need. And when you think you've got it uh, all sorted out, and then they'll throw you a little curved one, curveball for you to sort out. Uh, and same as life. I mean, that's what it is. Uh, and, you know, it just, oh, it just the friendship, the, 
the the way that you deal with people when you meet new people um, that you've never met before within within a few hours you are talking to them and telling telling them things that you don't even speak to your best friend about and and it's just it's just unreal it's just unreal oh you've been so kind with your time Jose I hope our paths cross at some stage. Oh, yep. Yeah, I hope so too. Maybe, uh, you, when are you planning your next Camino? Oh, I, I dare not <laughs> even think about it. <laughs> but it's coming. It's coming. Don't worry. It, who knows? Life's short and wide, my friend. That's right, right? That's correct. <laughs> Thanks so much, That's Jose. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you for sharing. And, 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 no. and buen Camino. Thank you, Dan, for having me on the show. And buen Camino to you, my friend. My guest this week, Jose Piner, a three-time pilgrim who's heading back again later this year. Remember the quote sent to me by Mark, one of my listeners this week, fill your life with experiences, not things. Have stories to tell, not stuff to show. That's all we have time for this week. I love Jose's quote too, life's short and wide. I'm Dan Mullins. I'll be back again next week with another pilgrim's tale. Until then, buen camino. <laughs>